Blog Talk Radio. Coming at you live, it is Buzzworthy Radio, where you can get the latest buzz on all your favorite shows and stars. Buzzworthy starts now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of Buzzworthy Radio. We are your hosts, Nabelle J. Lee and Matthew Preston, live on this Wednesday, August 19, 2009. We are honored to have with us Mr. Jim Romanovich on our program. I believe he is joining us on the line as we speak. Joining you on the line Jim. as you speak. Yes. Hey, Nabelle, how are you? Good. I'm doing great. Thanks for Thanks having for me. Be- Thanks for being here. It's a Again, it's still an honor and a privilege to even have you, even to speak to you. It, oh, come it, on, just, come on. Now, this is great. I'm happy to do it, and I appreciate, you know, the, the help you've given to promoting the daytime Emmys and daytime in general. So, if anything, it's humble. my honor to be on your show. So, thank you. Humble. I love humble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> All right, I, I have to. I have to ask though. How did how did you get involved with producing the the daytime Emmys for this year? Because for a long time we did not even think we were going to even have a daytime Emmys at all. You weren't. Uh, that that was really the bottom line. Uh, I've been a fan of daytime television for many many years. Uh, too many to to count actually. And uh, my, I mean, my time goes back to 1981 General Hospital. You know that classic summer with Robert Scorpio and, and Luke Spencer and the Ice Princess and all of that. That was a cool time. And I stayed with it ever since. And I started watching some of the other shows. And you know, being in the business, you know what's going on and so forth. Last year, we won a daytime Emmy for our CW special called America's Invisible Children with Joan London. And uh, we produced many. Uh, specialty award shows, big shows like the World Magic Awards with Neil Patrick Harris last year, the Hero Awards, and a few other things. So David McKenzie, uh, the executive producer, the main executive producer of this show, and the guy that's really making all of this happen, uh, he is really something special on this, and uh, I'm really thrilled that he allowed me to do everything I needed to do to make this happen. But he is the guy. He's the uh, he's the guy that says yes and no. So he's been saying yes a lot on all of the ideas that he, that I had, and he brought his own ideas into it. So really thankful for that. Anyway, in January of this year, I noticed that you know there was a lot of press that um, was kind of cryptic, nothing specifically stating anything about the daytime Emmys other than looks good, we're talking to a few people, might be this, might be that. You know, that's just, uh, that's Hollywood speak for it, don't have anything. So David McKenzie comes into my office in January and says, Jim, what do you think about, uh, what if we try to produce the uh, daytime Emmy Awards this year? Why don't we go after that? And I said, you've got to be kidding. I mean, that's been locked up in networks and production companies for 20 years, 30 years. I think it's a, yeah. it's a locked business. So he said, well, why don't you give him a call and see what happens? So I said, okay. So I called the president uh, or the soon-to-be president of Natus, uh, Frank Raddus, who was uh, taking over for exiting president uh, Peter Price. And I, I laid it all on the line. I told him exactly uh, where I thought that they were and how I could show them a new way of getting their program on the air so they are so they don't go w- without for a year because once you're off the air you're off you're done right it's never going to come back so um you know i said you know you, you're probably not going to get the big money that uh, you were hoping to get like you did last year when you had abc and before that was cbs but i guarantee it's not going to cost you any money and if anything it's a, it's a total win-win situation give me three weeks i'll get you a network and um, we'll go from there and that's what i did so that's how we got involved. It only took three weeks, really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I had a plan. Well, that's well, that's really good. And as I've been mentioning to everybody else, it's so wonderful to have someone who loves the daytime genre to actually want to see this to see this happen uh, for many of the fans, including myself. That we we're very proud of this. This is this is happening this year. So thank you again, and 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 Mr. McKinsey for making this happen, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, I'm glad you are thanking David because he really is, he, he's the mastermind behind making all this happen. He's the guy that 
unleashes me to do what I need to do. So really, I give him all of the props for making this show happen. And also the people over at Natus, uh, Frank and Carolyn and Daryl and Mal and Brent and everybody, for you know really having the foresight of knowing that this was the way to go and this was a perfect way to reinvigorate the Emmy Awards as well, the daytime Emmy Awards. So, and I again, not just being a fan of daytime Emmys, I'm also you know a, a guy who was a former actor years ago, and you know I was up for one of the parts on Days of Our Lives years and years ago. And uh, one of my best friends is John Riley, who played Sean Donnelly on General Hospital. So I've been around it for many, many years. So it's a real honor for me personally to be involved. And the the, the shows that I went to visit couldn't have been nicer to me couldn't have been nicer so i i thoroughly appreciated that and i think they appreciated me too absolutely you went to you went to every set correct you went to every, every set. set no yeah i went to every every soap set because they were the ones i figured needed to be seen they needed to know that there was somebody interested in them because it's been such doom and gloom for the last two to three years that i can recall around all the soaps you know it's like ratings constantly dying and People constantly leaving or, or being let go or this or that and shows being canceled or possibly being canceled. You know, it's, you know, they're starting, you know, it's, it, it was, the press was almost making it look like soaps were becoming the bastard child of, of the networks. And they were putting up on the pedestal all of these, you know, talk shows and court shows and game shows, which we all love too. We all love those. Those are great. But, you know, I wanted the soaps in particular because that's where my passion lies with them. I wanted them to know they had a friend in me. Exactly. Very, very cool. Before I, before we get into more about the Emmys, I want to uh, bring on, on the co-host of the show, Matthew Preston, is joining us right now. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing very well. Doing very well. Thank, thank you. Thank you for coming out. Um, what I wanted to also delve into because... I think this is a very interesting thing that you guys decided to do was the daytime gives back um, with uh, Susan Lucci, Tony Geary, and Kelly Monica, which I believe just started airing on All My Children. It did Monday, I think, right? Yeah, I think it was Monday, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's when they first made the first mention of it that I saw. I thought it was great. I mean, Susan's really doing a great job with it, and, and Julie Carruthers is my hero, so uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, her insight and uh, to making this you know a reality on their show it only it only helps you know feed the children that much more Jim actually I was, I was looking at you and I have to say thank you so much for having such like a a huge lift on this as you said doom and gloom in daytime let me ask you what have been some of your favorite daytime Emmy moments <laughs> oh man I, you're asking me some tough questions I mean that's uh, you know what I, I uh, I can't. I don't really have a particular daytime Emmy moment that I can single out and say, "God, this was a great daytime Emmy moment." Because, you know, there's there's a lot of great moments. Um, you know, I, again, I, I go by shows that were of most interest to me at that time, and I, I don't want to single out any particular show now because it'll sound like I'm favoring one over the other. And and at this point, I really <laughs> I shouldn't do that. Uh, I think everybody knows I'm a I'm a big General Hospital fan. I, I think I've been pretty clear yeah. about it. But I'm also I love the Young and the Restless, especially. And actually, right now I like them better than General Hospital story wise. Uh, One Life to Live, I think, is even doing some things in there that are better than General Hospital. But it's you know it's back and forth. It all depends where you are on the swing of things. But as far as Emmy moments, I don't have any in particular. But um, I think seeing Jeannie Francis get up there when she won a few years back, I like seeing that. Rick Hurst, again, see him talking all General Hospital. Uh, when he won, <laughs> he gave a great speech. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, Rick is actually my neighbor. Um, I met him for the first time at the General Hospital set on his very last day before going over to B&B. Uh, his wife is a choreographer at one of the acting schools up there that my daughter happens to attend, so we had that in common. But those are the two that stick out. Very nice. How about Susan Lucci winning? I mean, like, there's always that long Well, yeah, that, that's true. That's true. When she finally won it. Oh, here's one that was, speaking of that, that was very funny, was when uh, Jimmy Kimmel, when he and Ben Stein won, and he ran down and gave his award to Susan Lucci. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I remember that. Yeah. That's that's hysterical. That is hysterical. How long did that? Uh, how long did it take to plan the the daytime gives back? How how much thought, time, everything went in, into doing that, and how were you able to get those three to go ahead and be a part of this? Because that that was that was a wonderful venture. Just just well, having to experience it was great. Well, thank you. And again, I uh, I have to give credit to David McKenzie on that because Feed the Children is our charity that we've been involved with for many years. Uh, it does a lot of great work. We all have kids here. I've got two daughters, uh, preteen daughters, and uh, so these things are important to me too. When we first got involved with this, we knew right away. As soon as, as, soon as Natus uh, agreed to do this and as soon as we got the network, it was Feed the Children at that point. We already knew we were going to do this uh, thing in Kenya. And then I coined it Daytime Gives Back. I thought it was a nice, catchy title that everybody understands. You don't have to explain it. Um, yeah. So we already had that involved. What I thought was going to be the tough thing was getting stars to go. You know, uh, again, you know, it's like one—it's one thing for somebody to to want to contribute or to do an interview about something about what it means to them. It's another thing to drag somebody halfway around the world and put them in a really impoverished situation, and uh, you know, have them really see this firsthand. You know, I didn't think a lot of people. Would really want to do that. A lot of I didn't really think a lot of daytime stars would want to do it, and I was floored, floored that Susan Lucci wanted to. Do it. And the fact that ABC daytime stars were there was just just a coincidence because you know I mentioned it and all of a sudden I had boom 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 they're there doing it. Kelly Monaco yeah. ran up to me and says I got to be there. I got to do this. Uh, okay, love to have you. And then I you know I I hear from. Um, uh, from Jill's office at General Hospital, and they said, would you like to have Tony? I said, Tony would never do this. Tony Geary? Tony doesn't do anything that, he, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't, meaning that he doesn't want to be in the public eye when he's not doing General Hospital. He's, he's a private guy who lives in Amsterdam when he's not working on General Hospital, and he's not yeah. going to spend his vacation time doing this. And he, I tell you, he really floored me. I have got I've always respected Tony Geary. He's now way at the top of the pile for me. And you're going to see, I already saw the clip, you're going to see a, a different Tony Geary. I mean, people know Tony from as Luke, to being the cynical sort of bastard that he is on that show. And he is. Let's admit it. He's kind of a bastard. He is. Uh, you're going to see somebody that is will just melt you. And he breaks down, and it really affected him. And it changed his life forever. And Susan, too, really changed her life forever. And Kelly, you know, here's Kelly, you know, this glamorous, you know, hot-looking babe uh, in General Hospital, dancing with the stars, peep show in Las Vegas, getting down in the dirt and the dust, helping these kids, feeding them, giving them food. I mean, it just, it, it, how can you not be moved by that? And then the reason why the whole New York thing came up was because everybody wanted to do it. And right. uh, so then I said, well, I, you know, I want to do this again, and I want to do it in New York so I can make it easier, number one, for New York shows to get there. And number two is that we do this in New York and in Harlem to help the schools and the kids and the families there as well, too. So the, it, it all worked out that way, and we had a great turnout from One Life to Live and from As the World Turns, and, uh, and Susan, again, came out from All My Children. Guiding Light couldn't be there. They were taping their last day that day, so or one of their last days, so I couldn't get them out, unfortunately. But it was great. The only uh, folks I was hoping to get at some point were Days of Our Lives and The Young and the Restless, so I'll have to schedule something on the West Coast at some point. But I have to give all of those folks uh, my highest regards and props. I mean, they uh, really surprised me in a, in a positive way, and if I had respect for them before, it's through the roof now. So that, and that's how it all happened. Very nice. That's terrific. That's terrific. I cannot. I can't wait to. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it in about a week. A week from Sunday. A week from great. Sunday. Yeah. And I already saw it. I already saw the Guiding Light tribute. I already saw the Sesame Street. I mean, and I already saw. Well, I can't say. But otherwise, I'm going to give it away. But it's. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a really a spectacular entertainment-driven show. And I hope everybody likes it, you know, and I hope we do well, well enough for us to come back again next year. I hope for that myself. Hope for yeah, that myself. It's something one I of know the, that 
I'm so happy we always see is the, the last episode, the last award of the night, Best Daytime Drama. And this year, one of my favorite shows is nominated. It's actually one of the novels as well. Bold and Beautiful. I'm just saying, crossing <laughs> my fingers, I'm hoping this, this would be their first win. I'm, just, I'm hoping. You know, i got to tell you, you know, the Bold and the Beautiful is highly underrated because you really have to appreciate their style of doing a soap. It's unlike every, any other show that's out there right now. Uh, they, they tend to border a bit on the campy side at times. Uh, they don't mind being over the top, but they can really play. You know, I love like the Bill Spencer and the Katie Logan thing right now. I think they really played that well. I'd like to see them draw it out a little bit more, but uh, I I loved that dynamic where they can play the romance or the Beauty and the Beast thing or what they're doing there, and then they can play the camp with Brooke riding in on a horse. You know, I'm now pronouncing man and horse. You know, that's great. Uh, and you got Susan Flannery, who I think is one of the best actresses uh, in daytime. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a show I really, really admire. And you know what? I also think the 30-minute uh, episode, the pacing of it, is helps a lot, too. It does. How do you, really how do you figure? Because of, because of the, the speed of the show? You think? Yeah, because I think you have to get more, more story in less time. So, you know, the problem with hour-long shows is that, and, and I, we all know this to be true, is that you see a lot of repetitive scenes. You know, how many more times yeah, are you going to see it? How many more times on General Hospital can we see Olivia go over to Sonny and say, stay out of my life? I mean, I've seen that <laughs> scene 12 times in the last four weeks. Um, that's what I call Phil. And uh, both great actors, by the way. I love them both. But when you have an hour-long show, you've got to kind of keep filling it with stuff to make people relevant or to keep them to know that there's still a relationship between these two people. When you have a half-hour show, it's basically just, you know, it's it's all let's get to the let's get to the meat and potatoes of it now. Let's just get going. This is happening. This is happening. This is happening. Credits, and it moves faster. And that's why I think the campiness of it comes out a little bit more. There's a there's a fun uh, feeling to it. it. There's a sense of fun about the bold and the beautiful. Really, is. I mean, you know, you got the gold. Uh, what, what was it? Donna got the uh, yes. You know, the honey and the glitter and all the of honey. it. Yeah, you can't do that on The Young and the Restless. You can't do that on Guiding Light. You know, you, you can only do it on a show that that is as superficial as the fashion business is. And, uh, you know, and that's what I love about The Bold and the Beautiful. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's there. I mean, they can play the romance. You know, high drama, you know, is not really them, you know, as far as really is getting sad and pouty and all that other stuff. That's not really what they're all about, but they just have a real sense of fun about them that I think some other soaps could take note and put a little bit more into their shows. I agree with that. I have a, I, I do want your opinion on this one as well. When the nominations came out and we saw Days of Our Lives cast members finally getting in, getting in on the action uh, this year, what was your, what was your first reaction to that? Because, I think I think Days of Our Lives has definitely been sheltered out many, many years and finally seeing all these nominations come to the forefront, I think that was great for them and they got some nice, they got some really good uh they got some competition. Mm-hmm. Are you asking me that question? Yes. Or is that uh yeah, you know what? Uh ironically that was the uh the show I auditioned for back in nineteen ninety four when they were recasting Mike Horton. Uh when Michael T. Weiss left um, they were auditioning some new people for it. Uh, I made it up there pretty far. Um, I don't think I ever went to the producers, but they ended up going with Rourke Critchlow. So I have a real spot for Days of Our Lives. And I know about the last five years or so they've had some problems, mainly because you know NBC may have not been supporting it as much. You know They weren't doing the daytime Emmy, so they opted out of their rotation. Uh, Passions uh, was kind of on its last legs. Again, my buddy John Riley uh, taking over the role of Alistair Creed on that show. So, and once Passions went dead, you know, Days of Our Lives was really looking at death's door there, too, at that point, because they just figured, okay, well, NBC's out of the game, so therefore, let's get rid of Days of Our Lives. They've only got a few months left on their contract. And then, lo and behold, they make some changes. They do a few things here and there, some controversial changes that people you know, may have certain issues about. But what happened was is that 
something got reinvigorated with that show. The stories really got fine-tuned. Characters were drawn out a little bit more. It was a very tight ensemble. They're really a tight, tight ensemble. And uh, I really I love everybody on that show. And I think i, I got to spend more time with them, too, because I, I think they do a great job. And they deserve, they deserve to be in there this year. So I am really happy for them, and I wish them the best. It's really cool to see. It really is cool to see each network is competing. So yeah, exactly. You know that you know that all the CBS fans are just rooting for the Bold and Beautiful. ABC is rooting for. It's just it's it really is fun this year. It really seems like the Emmys. It just looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, and that's what I believe we're going to bring to it. You know that sense of fun and uh, a little bit of glitz. And a lot of showbiz, you know, the stuff that, you know, when people, when people are asked, and stars too, when they're asked about what their favorite times were in the daytime Emmys and, and what their favorite year was, it's, I think it's the one with Radio City Music Hall a few years ago because it was big, it was splashy, it was yeah. well-produced, it, it looked like primetime shows should look. And the ones since then have been kind of uh, technically very, very well done. I don't want to take anything away from the production company or the networks on it, but you know, it's like they were trying to find ways to be trendy or current rather than be entertaining. And I think that's where you kind of lose viewers because if you're in prime time, you've got to entertain people that may not necessarily watch daytime, but maybe you want them to. But in order to do that, you've got to entertain them. You just can't hand out awards to people they don't know or don't recognize. And the other thing about daytime fans that's different than primetime fans is that daytime fans are loyal to what to shows they watch, not, not necessarily all of daytime. So in other words, there's general hospital fans that are only general hospital, and they don't, uh, we're live, right, so I can't cuss, but uh, <laughs> they don't care about guiding light, right? You know, guiding yeah. light's a two o'clock show too, I believe. So uh, so you know that, and that's been one of the problems at the daytime Emmys in the past when fans were in, is that you get a lot of cheers for, for General Hospital and a lot of boos when it wasn't. Yeah. So right. that's another reason why fans aren't allowed in this year, out of respect for all of the shows. Um, and it's also a little bit smaller venues, and we needed the room for the celebrities and the, and the nominees. But, uh, you know... That's about it. I mean, that's, fans are, are cheering for their particular show. So you need to be broader and entertain people, which is why I wanted Vanessa. You know, she was always on my short list. She was on my short list even before Hugh Jackman did the Oscars. But once he did the Oscars, then I knew she was the right one. And she is. And she is everything you could imagine. She's, she's the triple threat. Nice. Yeah. That's great. I do. I do have a caller for you. If you want to take it, are you up for it? Yeah, if I can, if I can answer it, I'd be more than happy to. Hope it's a nice one. <laughs> All right. Don't be mean. <laughs> Don't be mean. All right. Six one seven. Hi, Novell. What's up? How you doing? Hey, how are you? Okay. Uh, I won't be mean. I won't be mean to you guys, but uh, you might think I'm going to be mean to somebody else, but I'm really not. Uh, I have Uh-oh. a concern about the way the daytime Emmys are chosen. And, Novell, you know the name I'm about to mention. Uh, last I year, I really consider that Van Hansis was robbed as uh, Best Actor, Best Younger Actor, against uh, Tom Pelfrey, who won. And it's nothing against Pelfrey's talent. I think the problem with the system is that, that they choose one or two individual episodes, and the entire year is judged on those episodes. So in Tom Pelfrey's case, he's off the show, he came back, he cried when his girlfriend died, he burned the mansion down, and he was out of town by, uh, before Valentine's Day hit. Whereas Van turned in excellent performances over a 52-week period. And it seems like it would be more fair if they allowed the actors to submit a reel of scenes throughout the year, so that Van or any actor would have had the opportunity to pick a wonderful scene from February, a great one from June, and something from November, and put it together and be judged in that way rather than being judged on one episode where one part might have been a spectacular performance and maybe they were a little weak at a different point, and then they lose. I was wondering if you thought that that idea had any merit 
and if you think the changes need to be made in the way the actual awards are chosen. Hmm. Is that a question for me or for you, Naval? Uh, that was for you. That was both. For both of us. Uh, oh, well, why don't you, you answer first? I, I answer first. Gee, sure. thank you for putting me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> well, no, you want me to answer first? I'd be more than happy to. I can answer uh, you know what? <laughs> no, for, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm not, I, I, uh, as the producers of the show, we don't get involved in the nomination or the selection process, so I'm not exactly sure specifically how it all works. I do know that, you know, everybody's responsible for submitting their own reels. First of all, I think I like your idea. So I, I think there needs to be a little bit more of a variety. And I think they do select a particular scene. Uh, a show selects a particular scene. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, from what I understood uh, this year, were upset that The Young and the Restless was not nominated for Best Show. And mm-hmm. from what I also heard was is that the clip chosen for the young and the restless was probably not the best representation of uh, against the other clips, shall we say. By itself, it might have been great. From what I understand, that what was selected from the young and the restless was more of a character piece, which is what Weinar is all about. Great show, in my opinion. But you know, we're talking about you know uh, an out of context excerpt, and people are watching it. Uh, are going to be watching for something exciting in 30 seconds or less, whatever that might be. And I think all my children submitted tornadoes and General Hospital submitted, you know, some other crisis that happened and so forth. So everything was kind of like big plot-driven action sequences. Young and the Restless supplied probably a great acting scene that happened. I, I don't know which one. And they didn't get chosen, but they're selected by all of their peers. So you might be right that maybe they should select like the three best scenes or actors should do that. And uh, I, I heard Peter Reckle uh, say in an interview that he just chose one scene. He only had one good scene last year from what he said personally, and that's the one that got him the nomination. Maybe that's all it takes. You know, Tony Geary, I know, selects one great scene. I think this year he chose his uh, uh, Pearly Gates one, uh, whether he was uh, his, his – um, uh, the one where he had a heart attack, died, and went to the pearly gates and had the trial and all of that. Um, so it, it, it's a very subjective thing. So whatever the Academy does next year, I don't know. But you know, certainly the suggestions you have sound like it makes sense. Because right. a good example of that was this past uh, New Year's Eve on As the World Turns. Jake Silberman had a beautiful scene, the final scene of the episode, but he was in virtually none of the rest of the show. I think he had three lines through the remainder of the show. So it was a weak opportunity for him to submit that entire episode, even though the five-minute scene at the end was brilliant, and he lost out on a nomination as a result of that, Mm -hmm. whereas it seems like he had a better opportunity if he could have picked and chosen. And also on the issue of the show, I know that a couple of years ago General Hospital won mainly based on the uh, the Metro Court hijacking storyline, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. which was brilliant. I was um, I, I love that, too. Like yeah, you, I I've too. been a General Hospital fan for 30 years, so I, I definitely appreciated it. But in a sense, that really isn't what the show represents year in, uh, month in and month out throughout the year. And it seems like they should be required to submit maybe three separate episodes or scenes that were filmed four or six months apart give some sense of what the show is over the year rather than what the show is in the middle of one spectacular stunt where they poured all their money into those that two-week period. Uh, yeah, but you're assuming that the shows would do that if given the choice. I can tell you right now, if you gave that choice to General Hospital, they would pick the Metro Court, they'd pick probably the train wreck, and they'd pick some other stunt, some other... Um, um, you know, stunt that they do for um, you know the ratings months and so forth, and so yeah. forth. So um, they do tend to do better than any other show. In yeah, opinion. yeah, but that's what they do. They've they've been criticized for it as much too, but that's been their strength. You know, they're still number two in the demo, and so you know until until they drop out of the the coveted demo. You're not going to see any major changes on General Hospital, but and that goes you know for anybody else. I mean, basically, you know, 
when you're submitting something, it's it's really a commercial for vote for me, vote for me, as opposed to it should be of this and it should be this. We need one dramatic scene with two people. We need this and we need that. Uh, I think they're just going to say, you know, shows you're on your own. You know, pick the best of what you think the best is. And people vote, you know, they vote with their time, which a lot of these judges do not have. I can tell you that because I have talked to a few, and they barely have time to watch one thing now. Um, so the quicker you make it and the more exciting you make it, chances are they're going to vote for it. Uh, that's just human nature. If you give them a scene of two people talking, and it's a great acting scene, but not much is really happening, they're going to tune out because people just can't stay focused that long when they have to look through a lot of submissions. And there are a lot, by the way, and tapes, and they've got their own shows to run or they're acting in their own shows. And don't forget, some people tend to vote for friends, and you know, all of that is part of it too, I think. I, I don't know for sure, but... You know, again, just speaking in human nature, I think you tend to vote for people who you like. You know, and well, I know uh, that Ben Hansis did make a comment on when they asked him what he chose to submit, and he chose the emotional breakup scenes, which was a lot of screaming and crying. And yet, six months later, he did a particular scene with the character of Brian, where they spent virtually the entire episode sitting in the living room talking. And they were some of the longest scenes that show has done in years. And it was a beautiful interplay between the characters. But I totally see how that wouldn't win him an Emmy. And that's why he didn't submit it. Exactly. So, and this is... My, this, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. In my opinion, the subtlety of the interdynamic of those two characters in that talking scene actually showed a greater appreciation of his talent than the overwrought emotional scenes that he did submit, even though they were excellent as well. I, I well, you, I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Neville. I was going to say, if you you take that into context, I mean, look back, you know, I'm going to go back 10 years ago, when Luke had that talk, that long monologue scene that he had with a Lucky, then played by Jonathan Jackson, and I know, Jim, you know what I'm talking about, when they did that scene when he was basically going ahead and explaining to his son about him raping Laura. I mean, if you look at that, that that's just as raw, that's just as gritty. That is just as pretty much kind of, is that what you're kind of like referring to with that time as well? That that, that kind of, those kind of scenes could garner him the attention for an Emmy or like that, like that, if I'm, if I'm following you correctly? Well, I'm not sure which of the two of us here. I think he's right. talking to you. And, uh, I said well, Tom, I, yeah. Well, I certainly thought that the the chemistry between Tony Geary and Jonathan Jackson was off the charts in a way that it hasn't been with any lucky since then. Without that a doubt. There was a magic between those two actors. And, and that choice you gave, Novell, was actually like halfway between those two scenes that I mentioned. It was a talking scene, but however, it was deep and raw and emotional because they were cutting to the, the core of a problem in the family dynamic there. I mean, how do you, how does the father explain to his son that he raped the mother and that's how they got together? How do you sell a scene that's so absurd on its face as that, but yet through the talent of Tony Geary and Jonathan Jackson, it worked. And I thought that was an excellent scene because it did show that the talent of the actors superseded the, uh, the plotting which is uh, often the plotting is often the weak point on, on soaps, the absurdity of, of what's going on on a particular storyline. But it's, it's how the actor sells the moment that means the most to me. And a good example of that being the scenes on Days of Our Lives when uh, Bo and Hope are dealing with the death of their son. Some yes, of in incredibly raw scenes, brilliant performances. I think probably some of the best work that uh, Peter and Christian have ever done. So those opportunities are out there, but sometimes it seems to me that the just the subtle, quiet moments are what really shows the uh, talent of the actors. It show it, it, and it also better represents what the show is, and that seems to get lost. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. It gets lost, and uh, and uh, to me, and that that's why you know people were asking me about the. Um, 
uh, the clips in the shows. You know, we're going to have a lot of actor clips in the shows because, you know, before there weren't that many. And, you know, I, I told people, I said, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think the actor clips ever did any actor any justice. If anything, it, it pointed out how bad it looked because, you know, and I, I mean this with all due respect, because when you take these scenes out of context, they look pretty silly. And because someone's either over-emoting crying or over-emoting yelling, and that's what you basically see. And when you show those clips and then you go to the actor in the audience, there's always this embarrassed look on their face. It's like, oh, God, you know, because they know that. And uh, to me, I thought it would be better to do something. And unfortunately, we couldn't do it this year uh, because of time and, and money and effort to do it. But, you know, do more of a, of a tribute. For example, if Kirsten Storms is the nominee, rather than have her – doing a, a yelling or a crying scene, uh, which they probably would pick, the one with Georgie perhaps, then you know, wouldn't it be better to have Brad Anderson say a few nice things on camera and behind him, green screen, you see montages, uh, without sound, but montages of Kirsten Storms at her best, some of her best moments. Uh, so you see the visual of it as you're hearing him really saying what she means to the show, what she means to him and how she makes him that much better. I think viewers in the audience would love that much more than just seeing the standard uh, over-exaggerated clip oh, because I, I, you yeah. can never see it in context. And, and a yeah. good example of what you're saying is that if you go on YouTube and put in Martha Burns' name and you see a video that somebody made called To the Song of I, I Will Remember You, and it's, it's shown with just a montage of clips of Lily through the years, and uh, and you see little bits and pieces of various scenes as she's growing up on the show. It's a beautiful tribute to Martha in a way that no one clip being pulled out of the archives could ever do. Yeah, that's right, and I agree with you. I think some of the moments where nothing is being said are the most dramatic, and you know, because acting is reacting, right? And sometimes right. reacting is not saying anything or doing anything it's just being there in that moment and uh, and that's why I have such amazing respect for these for these actors in daytime because it's a tough thing to do doing these one act plays every day i mean it's it's unlike anything else in the entertainment world right now uh, it's much harder to do than a play because a play you're doing the same 2 hours every day for 8 weeks 10 weeks whatever it is Daytime, you're doing you know 50 pages or more, maybe 30 pages. I don't know every day, and that's not an easy thing to do. And to sell it successfully every day is an amazing thing. As well as the fact that they have to sell a plot line, which you can yeah. put it down on paper. A good example is there was a scene on As the World Turns where Noah is consoling Luke, and with, although it wasn't exactly in the dialogue. Luke says, how do I deal with my father being dead, even though we know he's not really dead because they switched the bodies? And Noah says, well, you can react the same way I reacted when I thought my father was dead, but he wasn't really dead because he came back to life a couple of weeks later. And that's sort of the, the undercurrent. Of course, that's not what the actors are saying, but that's what the audience knows is happening because we know these characters come back from the dead all the time. So mm, that's what we Mm -hmm. But yet the actors manage to sell the moment. They sell the emotion of the scene, even though the, the dialogue, even they've admitted, they're like, how, how, how do I sell a plot line like this? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's the real talent of the actors that they can pull it off. Yeah. Well, Tony, that's thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. That was a, that's Tom, by the way, not Tony. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. Tom. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> um, you had so many great ideas. Hey, I was, you know what? Maybe I was thinking of Tony Geary. That's fine. I don't know. You <laughs> were thinking of Tony Geary. I always talk about General Hospital. Then I'll take that. <laughs> well, thank Thanks, you for calling. Um, thank you very much, guys. Have a good night. So, Jim, okay. something else is that the Daytime Emmy Award also nominates. Not only do you nominate the best in soap operas, but also game shows and talk shows. Do you think will we see Ellen DeGeneres get dethroned? Because she's been like, t she's been taking like so many awards for the past couple. Of, she deserves it. She totally deserves it. Do you think the View? I don't know. Maybe the View will get some awards. Well, maybe. You know, you never <laughs> know. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say who's going to get what. I mean, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Again, it's it's really who you like, right? You know, Ellen True. is such a likable personality in daytime. 
you know, Oprah's removed herself from it, so she's not even, you know, involved. Otherwise, she probably would win every year too. Uh, and I think at some point maybe Ellen's going to do the same thing if it if it seems like she's going to be getting an award every year. Um, yeah, it's hard to say, you know. And and with game shows too, it's like it, that's what's that's what's tough about it for me. It's like is let's make a deal or uh, deal or no deal. I should say not let's make a deal, not <laughs> yet anyway. But you know, is deal or no deal better than Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, I don't know. Is Howie Mandel better than Meredith Vieira? I think they're both great. They're both great at what they do. Um, it's it's not like it, it's it's they don't seem competitive to me. They, it seems like they they both fit in there, and it's hard to say. You know, I'll, they're doing the same thing every day, right? So it's not like they're doing a, a new storyline and they're bringing fresh actors. It's basically the same game. So how does one get better one year over the other? You know, how do you how does one win? I, I don't know. So as far as Ellen is concerned and, and the talk shows, um, yeah, I, you know, people are going to vote for really who they like or who they think they like. Some people vote on um, what's cool or what's trendy. So, you know, just so that they can have water cooler conversation and say, yeah, no, I voted for the cool, trendy one. Um, it's so subjective and it's so personal. And, uh, you know, I, most of the time it doesn't, always have to do with talent it just has to do with personal taste with with all judges because we're all human and we all like what we like and we don't like what we don't like so i just think there's the same people voting every year that just like ellen a lot yeah that's what? true you know that is true yeah so one of the things and we we have talked about this we have talked about i mean god twitter twitter is like my see all hear all end all uh, lately since i'm on it constantly and uh I have tweeted back and forth with you in regards to the All My Children Moving West subject. Right. And you actually you said it was a it, it was a great move for them. Why great why move. do you think that? Well, uh, here's here's your option. Move west or power down. So that that to me is the bottom line. You know, and if it's not power down AMC then it's power down one life to live. So one of those shows was going to be sacrificed without a doubt. So to me if you're a true soap fan, what option? Do you, there is no option. It's like you know, move and live, stay or die. Move mm-hmm. and live. That's what they chose, and and that just shows a real sign of faith in the show. And 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 I have to commend ABC for really getting behind it because they're not ready to throw in the towel on daytime. If anything, you know, they're reinvigorated by this, and I think they are the. Uh, they're having the best profit margins of, of all of the, the daytime shows. All the ABC shows are owned by ABC. So exactly. they can do whatever they want with it, and the profit goes directly to them. Not so with CBS, and certainly not so with Days, because you've got uh, others involved with Days. But, um, you know, it's it's sad that they have to move, because my personal feeling, and I'll tell you this honestly, I think all the soap should be in New York, because I think it's, I think soaps belong in New York. There's something very cool about soap operas being in New York City. If it were possible to be in New York, they should stay in New York. But it's not because the, the budgets, unions, and I'm a member of a union, but you know, unions are powerful, and they can dictate what you can or can't do. And sometimes it's beyond what you can do. So you do, just don't. So you go to Connecticut which is where all of them go, or you go to Los Angeles where it's a little easier, or you go elsewhere. Um, Maury and um, a lot of the universe, I think all the Universal shows went to Connecticut. And, uh, you know, all my children didn't go to Connecticut because I think they want to keep everything together, you know, in, in a close proximity in Los Angeles, you know, the General Hospital and all my children. And hopefully this will give One Life to Live some uh, renewed strength as well, too, to have a bigger space to work out of, to do more things with their sets and, and so forth. Because I think One Life to Live is a really well-done show. Um, uh, most of what goes on there, I think, is very, very well done. And uh, they deserve to stay around. But, you know, that's it. It's sad that people are going to lose their jobs. There's going to be crew members that are definitely going to lose their jobs that have been on that show for many, many years. Um, it's um, you know it's a real shame that that had to happen, but it was going to happen anyway if they stayed because they would have 
one of those shows would have been canceled. Somebody would have lost their jobs regardless. Um, they've offered all of the, the stars of the show to go, uh, and I think maybe even key production people to go as well, too. And I believe they have until after Labor Day to make the decision. Now, I hear that some people may or may not go, and I you know, certainly understand that. Uh, Thorson K. may not go because um, you know his wife is on One Life to Live, and he's got a family in New York, and uh, he maybe they'll move him to One Life to Live. Uh, you, you don't know about that. Um, Susan Lucci, I don't know what she's going to do. I mean, boy, if she's not on All My Children, that would be... Uh, a very sad day. So I hope she does make the move. I'll understand if she doesn't, because she's so associated right. with New York royalty. You know, she is New York. Um, her life is in New York, and maybe she doesn't have to do the move. You know, maybe it's she, she's done it for 30 years, almost 30 years. You know, maybe she she doesn't need to go to L.A. to play Erica Kane. I don't know. Um, maybe you guys know better than I do on that. But that's my feeling about the move. It's a great choice because it's what had to be done either save the show or kill the show and they chose to save it i so agree with you about the coolness factor of soaps being in new york city maybe it's because i'm a huge east coast fan um i totally i agree with you. it seems like in the 70s and the 80s that's where a lot of your soap operas were filmed and yeah, yeah. live yeah and, that, yeah, yeah. It, it, that, that was a great time i'm, I'm from chicago so I was born with concrete under my feet, and uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I love and I love New York. I've always said if I could live on the Upper West Side of New York uh, with my kids, I would. But I, I can't afford it. That's, <laughs> so, that's why I live in L.A. Uh, it, you know, it's just the way it is. New York is just too damn expensive. Uh, but it's a great, great city, and I love it to death. And I try to get there as often as I can. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a West Coaster. I'm a West. I'm sorry. I am a West Coaster. I love. I mean, even though I live on the East, I love traveling from Jersey, to Jersey. Novell. <laughs> I, I, I I am from Jersey, but I don't. Well, the Midwest the starts after the George Washington Bridge, right? That's true. <laughs> yeah. No. Hey, I, I live in. I live in L. Actually, I don't live in L. A. I live outside of L. A. In a in a nicer nice community that's great for kids and all of that. Uh, so I'm out of the rat race of it all, but yeah, I mean, I, I like I like California. I think it's a beautiful state, and um, you know, there's really a lot to 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 offer people here. So I don't want to downplay California at all because I've lived here for 20 years. Uh, but that being said, uh, I think New York is really where, if it could be affordable, is where soaps should be. But that mm. will never happen again, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And it's it's so it's so cool to and, and, and it's interesting that uh, you know ABC wants to do whatever it takes in order for their shows to survive because again as you mentioned ABC owns all their shows ABC owns them all and the right. other two networks don't own their shows That's and right. you know and it just makes me think about this in, in a little bit I mean you made mention of the fact that there is the Guiding Light tribute that you guys. Are going to be airing at the at the Emmys. I know Michael Fairman is uh, head of. Yeah, Michael Fairman has done a, a great job, by the way. Uh, uh, he's really put together something nice. I went, I saw it yesterday, and did a spectacular job. One of the nicest guys, by the way, that I've met, and a really talented, smart guy. Um, but I want to tell you, this is not. You know, I don't want to call this a tribute. I've been uh, telling everybody this is the farewell. You know, tribute is they, they already did the Guiding Light tribute three years ago. This is now your goodbye, because you're never, ever, ever going to see these people again in one place for this reason. So this is not a tribute. This is the farewell. The farewell. Okay. And, yeah, so that's a big statement. You know, you're never, ever going to see these people again. This was 70 years in the making. You'll never, ever see them again. That's a big statement to make. So I think it's going to be a very moving part of the show. Well, I was trying to find ways. I was I was on the phone with Telenex and those guys, you know, trying to see where they were with Guiding Light to see if they made any, you know, inroads to cable and all that. Unfortunately, they didn't do yeah. it. I, we were we here at Associated Television were trying to find ways to see if we could somehow do it in a different way and bring it back in some way or another that might be interesting. And you know, I, I don't know. You know, obviously, we don't own the show. We have to deal with somebody that does and that might be 
a, a big problem. But it was in our minds. It was in our minds. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's, it's very hard. It's so hard because either do you, I think the fans do wrestle with this, is that is it good to see, you know, just say goodbye? Or is it, you know, do you want to drag it out and then cancel it again? I mean, so, yeah, I, I, I personally, I, yesterday, if you guys missed it, um, I did listen to it, and Nivelle, along with other Guiding cast members, did an amazing job for a, a Guiding tribute. It's it's just it's really, like you said, I'm looking forward to that part of the show, but just hearing you talk about that and saying goodbye, like, it's it's hard. It really is hard. Yeah, because, you know, you're going to see them all one last time all together, and you're going to get a big standing ovation, and then uh, goes to black. And that's the end. Yeah. And, it, you know, just just hearing the word guiding life farewell, like especially now, I mean, I, I said this yesterday, that it is now only a month away before we last, uh, before the last episode, before the, final, before the final show. And it's now starting to dawn and hit me that after 72 years, we're not going to have this daytime icon of a soap opera anymore. I mean, it's now it's now going to be leaving our television screens, and it's not going to be coming back in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, this is this is turning into a, like an Agatha Christie mystery. You know, it's not. And then there were seven. You know, it's going to. I hope this. You know, next year we don't say. And then there were six. You know, I, I hope as the world turns, uh, finds a way to keep itself going. <clears throat> but I'm not sure. What do you think? Yeah. Well, that's a good point that you make, only because there have been rumors circulating that it's now next on the chopping block, and everybody's saying that PGP Telenex wants to get out of the soap business. They don't really want to see the soap survive. They really want to intentionally kill it. I personally try not to think that way. I try to think of the glass being half full instead of half empty, and I like to, I, and I like to believe that they want to try to have Azrael turn to make it. I, I do. I mean... If any of you heard the news today, I mean, Leslie Kay is going to be pulling double duty. I mean, yeah, I thought, to... you know, I read that, and I thought that she, because I hadn't seen her on The Bold and the Beautiful in forever. Uh, so I thought maybe that uh, she was uh, no longer on the show. Is she recurring on the show as is now, or is she a contract player? She's on contract on she The is. Bold and the Beautiful. She's on contract. And How come they haven't used her? You wouldn't know it. Yeah, you wouldn't know it. And uh, sorry, I can't think of the other actor that plays Storm. Um, William Durant. Uh, what's his name? Oh, I'm sorry, Thorn. You said I. I'm sorry, Thorn. Yeah, Thorn. Yeah, Thorn. Thorn. Oh, oh, Storm yeah. was uh, the other guy that got killed off a while ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which? Yeah. Winter Harmon. Winter Harmon. All these great names. Yeah, Thorn. So I, I yeah. Uh, yeah, so I haven't seen him lately either, so I thought these guys might have been bumped to recurring because Bold and the Beautiful has been bringing on a lot of people lately. So, you know, they, you know, they brought in uh, Don Diamant and, um, you know, Rick Hurst, and, you know, when you bring people in, some people get kicked back a little bit. You know, I haven't seen Kyle Lauder do much. You know, whatever happened to the Rick and Steffi story, that kind of faded away, didn't it? No, right? I'm always, like, scratching yeah. my head, and I'm thinking, are they still together? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on. And then you've got... You know, uh, Marcus, right? I mean, he's yes. kind of in the wings there. And I uh, don't know what's going on with him. I, you know, they kind of dropped that. But, you know, that's that's what that's what happens in daytime. You know, you kind of, you're in the moment in a particular momentum of storytelling. And you need to kind of see it through. And I think maybe Rick and Steffi got stale for a while where you just got to go, oh, let's rest this. You know, it's like going back, if I will she, will, won't she, will she or won't she? You know, again, how many more scenes can you see of Ridge and um, Rick, you know, threatening each other, or Brooke and and uh, Ridge, you know, having the same conversation again, just like we talked about Olivia and Sonny, where it's like we can't, I can't do this, I can't do this, Logan, you know, you know how I feel about Rick. <laughs> well, I love my son. Yeah. Well, you know how I feel about it. Well, you know, I, it's yeah, you know, yeah, it's you know, it, you can't do those scenes forever without people going, okay, we got it. There's a problem. So, and, yeah, hence why it's on the soup so much. That's yeah, why. exactly, exactly. Well, it's on the soup because it's fun, and you know that's why you, you you're not going to see guiding light on the soup because there's no fun in guiding light, and not to disparage that at all. I mean, it's it's a great show and uh, really tried to hang on and great actors and all of that, but it's a different style. And uh, but Bold and the Beautiful is so 
you know, in your face and fun and campy and, you know, it's something that should be made fun of. And by the way, Bold and the Beautiful is the most popular soap in the world. Yes, it is. Uh, by far. When I go overseas, I mean, Bold and the Beautiful is on par with any primetime show that we have here in the U.S. So they're doing something right. They must be. They are. And you know what? Nobody that, nobody in France knows who General Hospital is. They don't know who Tony Geary is. They don't know who Maurice Bernard is. They barely yeah, know Kelly right. Monaco from Dancing with the Stars. They don't know. So uh, they know Days of Our Lives. Days of Our Lives is a big one overseas as well, too. Yeah, it is. So there you go. Hey, you guys actually remember a good point. Overseas, I mean, especially it seems like the campiness factor really – draws them in. in. In America, it's sort of the opposite. I mean, for example, telenovelas are huge. There's always, they're, they're, that's their prime time, you know, for Telemundo, it's prime time. It's, I wish oh, I could have you, the period. You're you absolutely know? right. I mean, you know, telemundo, uh, not telemundo, but telenovelas in particular are the biggest selling programs in the world. Uh, yeah. Asia loves the, the Spanish telenovelas, you know, the ones that come out of Venezuela. That's where they're all produced. They're produced in Venezuela for Telemundo or for Univision. And, you know, they're so broad and they're so over the top. Everybody is beautiful. Every woman is beautiful on that show, that's for sure. Everything is very ultra-dramatic. And when you look at the bold and the beautiful, it's like, yeah, that's kind of the same. I can see that. You know, everybody's too good-looking to be true. And uh, they're in a business that's too good to be true. And they're too rich to be true. You know, and it's... You know, having all of these larger-than-life problems and that people like. It's a, it's a show that has a lot of visual appeal to it, and that's the key for international, for people that don't speak English, is yeah, that if you have right. visual appeal, you'll do well. Guiding Light is not a visual appealing show. So yeah. That's true. That is true. Yeah. And Bold and Beautiful was also the first one to have uh, the uh, Spanish uh, the SAT on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I also believe Bold and the Beautiful did some location shooting in Europe, if I'm not mistaken, for one of their shows. Uh, they always would go to Portofino um, at least once a year. Yeah, and, so they uh, go to Italy for that, sure. So, I mean, and that helps. I mean, when you're there and you're doing all of that, you're part of that culture. And we are, you know, we live in a world that is not an American world anymore. We're We're in a... You know, because uh, I, I deal with all of the international as well, and I meet with all the international buyers and the, and the BBC and TF1 in France, and the, you know, RTL is in Germany is one of my production partners for a few of our shows. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, it's not the old days where you can just shovel any amount of garbage of American programming down the throats of a German broadcaster and expect them to take it. It doesn't work that way anymore. It has to be great. As a matter of fact, a lot of their stuff comes our way via formats, a lot of your top shows right now are all either Dutch formats, German formats, British formats, Spanish formats, you know, Deal or No Deal, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, American Idol. None of those are American shows. Those all came from overseas. We bought the yeah, formats right. for them. So it's a different world. So you have to take that into consideration when you're producing stuff here. And that's where the bold and the beautiful succeeds, is that they understand the mentality of the international audience, the non-English speaking audience here in the States as well as overseas. And they, they have the right formula. And I think being a half-hour show also helps. I really do. Yeah. We also, um, before, we, before we sign off, we have a fan question, and he wants to know, what do you think, Jim, that As the World Turns needs to do story-wise and production-wise to save itself from cancellation? <laughs> well, I think you summed it up best, Navel, before, is that if it's already on the radar, I don't think nothing much can be done because if something somebody wants it dead, it'll be dead. And if P&G or Telenext uh, has it on the radar that they cannot afford to do the show, it, uh, the profit margins are just not there, or maybe they're even operating at a loss. I have no idea then no amount of great storytelling is going to do anything to save this show. The, the problem with uh, ratings and daytime, there's a number of problems. First of all, number one, Nielsen, which is uh, not the most uh, accurate of all systems, but it's the only one no, we really have. It doesn't really count, account for a lot of the... Uh, non. Well, I mean, there's a lot of viewers out there that it doesn't account for. It just takes a sampling. 
I also feel that people watch daytime television differently than they watch primetime television. You know, it's like I see, you know, every day, every week, oh, ratings are up for Young and the Restless. Oh, ratings are down for General Hospital. Ratings are up. Ratings are down. For the last three years, I said, you know what, it's up, down, up, down, up, down. Who cares? You know, it's all it all stayed relatively the same. They're all losing a little bit as we go along, but the, the fact that General Hospital is down to number four and not number three means absolutely nothing. Because the way people watch soaps are, you know, is they they watch by habit. They don't watch by episode. You know, no, if you're watching something on, you know, whether it's the uh, 24 or uh, some other show that's on, you know, a weekly show that you like, and you go, oh, you know, it's about this this week. Ah, I won't watch it this week. That makes a big difference in the ratings if people don't like that particular episode because then it goes down because you're only talking about week to week. But when you're on a daily show, you know, week to week doesn't really mean that much. You have to really look over a course of, you know, six months to eight months to really see a trend. And, you know, people are like the Young and the Restless, for example. They've been number one for 20 years now, right, as far as the house is. That's never going to change. Never, ever going to change, ever. Uh, As long as soaps will be on the air, Young and the Restless will continue to be number one because the habits have been set. People will continue to watch them, and they won't watch anything else. As I said before, fans are devout to their shows regardless of what happens. So when something goes up and down, I, I don't even know what that means or how they regulate that. Maybe somebody just happened to be out that day and forgot the TiVo. I don't know. And then maybe that's why the ratings go down. But it's not because <laughs> of anything that particularly happens. I think it's just now the habits are set. Young and the Restless is number one. Bold and the Beautiful is number two. General Hospital or Days of Alive is number three. And that fluctuates here and there. But, you know, it it, it doesn't mean that much. The only thing that means anything of any particular relevance is when the whole drops. And that you can tell by looking on a more of a, of a half year to a year trend. And then you can see, wow, they went from 4.3 down to 3.8 to 3.7. And okay, that's fine. But from week to week going, oh, General Hospital's at a 2.1. Oh, 2.2 this week. Wow, they went up. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. I mean, they're basically the same. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. it's crazy, and that's why you can't. You, know, you can read anything you want into the Nielsen ratings. You know, people that hate General Hospital when it drops, people can say, "Ah, oh, you see, uh, you know, nobody likes the mob." You know, <laughs> right. that's that's the and people may not some people may not like the mob, but you know, it's not because of that. It's not because of that. The viewers are set, and that's just the way it is. You have to look at the overall trend over a period of time, not week to week for the soaps. Did I answer any of that question in there? I don't even you remember did. the I question. Think, I think so. <laughs> no, no, you did answer it. Full course you did, but you did. <laughs> well, you know, yes. I, I, th- I think people, you know, I, I, I have a lot of respect for the fans out there. I really do. And uh, the fans are everything to the soaps, and they're everything to us to, for the daytime Emmys. Because, you know, if, once the, if the soaps go away and we're only left with talk shows and game shows and courtroom shows, daytime Emmys are dead because nobody's going to give a rat's ass about who wins best court show, who wins best talk show, who wins best game show, because it's the fans that care. Once that happens, all of stuff is going to be, you know, put back into the primetime Emmys as just a, you know, a segment in, in their primetime Emmy show. And uh, so... To keep the daytime Emmys alive means we're trying to keep the soaps alive. And the soaps have more to say. They're not, you know, I think if there's some smart producers and networks out there, they'll find a way that if daytime TV is not the ticket for them anymore, they'll find a way to make new technology for these shows and monetize them so it does make sense because there's a great fan base out there that is unrecognized, uh, that should be recognized, that should be counted and not what Nielsen says all the time. Uh, Nielsen is a very small sampling, and at best, inaccurate, but it's the only one we have. That's the only one we have. Yeah, it's the only one we have. So the fans really need to support us, the daytime Emmys, and all of their shows, not just their particular shows, but all of the shows, because if one goes away, 
that's just another slice out of the pie that's gone, yeah. and and you know the house of cards is going to tumble. Well, Jim, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, I always say this: we need more people like you in daytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much. Uh, you know. After the Emmys Award, Emmy Awards, you probably won't hear much from me because the, my relevancy will have ended by the Emmy Awards, but that doesn't mean that I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm already hard at work trying to see what I can do for 2010 um, as far as yeah. venues and so forth. So I'm already in that mindset. So you may, not, you may not hear me tweet as much or blather on as much or wax on about what I know or don't know, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm still around. Nice. Well, hopefully you had a good time on the show. And I did, and I thank you both very, very much for having me on, and I appreciate the work that you guys do, and um, you know, keep it up. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much, and make sure, everybody, that you check out the Daytime Emmys on the CW, the live pre-show with Laura Spencer, and, God, the other, the other guy's name escaped me. Too. Kevin Frazier. So, Kevin Frazier. Oh, my Kevin God. Kevin Frazier from E.T., Yes. How did I forget his name? I remember Laura's name. I did. <laughs> yeah, you got Laura. Yeah, that's right. I did get Laura. Uh, it's at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the CW, followed by the, daytime, the 36th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards, hosted by Vanessa Williams at 8. I'm looking forward to it. I know everybody else is. Jim, thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you, Neville. Appreciate it, and uh, you guys have a great afternoon. See you, you later. Thanks. All right, Neville, when are we going to be on next? Well, we're not going to be on for a little bit, I yeah, think. We're a little time. Um, what's that? We might take a little time off. <laughs> well, you're going to take a little time off. Neville's going to be planning to go to the West Coast, man. That's um, true. I'm going, to, I'm, going to start, I'm going to start packing uh, this Good. weekend, and I'm going to be making my uh, trek over there to California check into my little hotel room, go to some Young and Restless Bold and Beautiful events, as well as the Daytime Emmy Awards. So I'm going to have fun for that. So you won't be hearing from me until maybe about a week and a half. So uh, make sure you guys just uh, check out the website as much as you can. Um, follow us on Twitter at Buzzworthy Radio. Follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash buzzworthyradio and buzzworthyradio.net for the latest news and information. So that is all I have for you guys as of now. If we have any upcoming shows, I'll definitely let you know before I make the track out over to, over to the west side. Um, but for now, we're signing off. Novelle Daily, Matthew Preston, here on Buzz Radio Radio, making sure you guys get the latest buzz with BWR. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. See you later. Hi, this is Dr. Blockstein, and you're listening to Buzzworthy Radio on Blog... What? No, I, I can't do it like he does it. I, I just can't. Yeah. All right, I'll try. <coughs> it is Buzzworthy Radio, where you can get the latest buzz on all your favorite shows and stars. Buzzworthy. <coughs> God, that hurts my voice. Can't get enough of Buzzworthy Radio. Log on now to www.buzzworthyradio.net to get the latest news on upcoming guests, past shows, and videos of all your favorite stars. Keep getting the latest buzz with Buzzworthy.